this gratitude journey has been such a blessing for me. I hope and pray that, that you have experienced it as well. A few, I don't know, weeks ago, a couple months ago, when Senior Pastor Charles gave me the, the titles of the, the sermon series uh, and suggested scripture, I could not wait until this day. Expect a miracle. It was within minutes that pretty much I had a download from God of what he wanted me to say this morning and wanted all of us to join together in, in a unified spirit to, to choose to believe, to choose to step out on faith. So since then, a couple months ago, whenever that was, I've been jamming to this song called Chain Breaker because I've declared it on behalf of you, all of us, and me. The lyrics are this. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell you the same old lies, if you are trying to, feel the same old, to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. Because if you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just aren't right. There's a better life. There is a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you've got chains, if you need saving, he is a prison-shaking, chain-breaking savior. That's the truth of the gospel. It's not something that happened way back when in Bible times. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is willing to, make, to rock your world today. I've been claiming breakthrough for each and every one of us. I have been claiming healing and deliverance according to our needs in this place today. God's ready. Let's pray. We humble ourselves before you. Oh God, some of us are in pain. Some of us are lost. Some of us are crying out, how long, oh Lord? When, oh Lord? Some of us are so bound up from bitterness and resentment that we are in chains. Some of us are sailing along and life is good. Wherever we are today, God, we know that you are meeting us right here. So I pray that with all that we've got, you would allow us to hear what you're having to say to each one of us personally. I speak against all of the, the assignments of the enemy. I cancel his schemes and his agenda. We want to hear only your word, God. We want to hear only your truth. Break down the walls that we came in here with 
uh, soften our hearts. We long to hear from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go to Matthew 13. We're going to spend a time in a couple different passages of Scripture. Get your phones, your Bibles out. You'll, you'll want this. You'll want to see what's going on today. Matthew 13, starting with the 54th verse. Jesus had finished all of these parables. He moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, that would be Nazareth. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Let me read that last verse again. Jesus, the miracle-working Savior, did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. I believe the people in his hometown suffered from hardness of heart. Their rejection to Jesus' ministry was due to their skepticism because, quite honestly, they didn't really understand what Jesus was doing, and the signs and the wonders and the miracles that were being testified, spoken about. I believe that the people suffered from an unwillingness to believe or even simply to take a step toward belief, a step toward faith. You know this. I've preached on it before. Faith needs to be activated. Faith is an action. It's a verb. Faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Where are you with your faith? I've been reading a book called Falling Free by Shannon Martin. It's, it's the fall flat on your face, surrender everything, and God will bless your socks off kind of story. Listen to what Shannon Martin says. Faith points to a way that's completely different. It requires us to abandon our lives, what we think, the plans that we have, our agendas, what it should look like. For me, that would be surrender. It requires us to abandon our lives into the hands of God in whatever He has planned. This is the road that leads to freedom, to fulfilling our mission here on earth. 
And in order to find real freedom, she continues, we have to be willing to fall into the arms of our Savior. To fall into the arms of Jesus who knows a thing or two about being in low places. Finally, she says, the keys to God's kingdom, or I will interject here, our understanding of that part of the prayer where we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The keys to God's kingdom come in smelly and messy gifts and a head-scratching economy. I love that image. It's like, I don't have a clue what God is doing. How in the world is this going to work out? That kind of, huh? A head-scratching economy where it doesn't make sense, where we lack nothing as long as we surrender everything. Where we lack nothing as long as we are willing to give God everything. Our ideas, our hopes, our dreams. So faith then, in my opinion, is not dictating God's response. Faith is, however, learning to think as God does. And God doesn't think like we do. It says that through prophet Isaiah. His ways are so much higher than ours. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. But as we continue to learn how to think, perhaps embrace this, that doesn't make any logical sense, then we're beginning to think like God thinks. That means that we would be entertaining God-sized miracles, big-time ideas, I believe in the faith journey, our biggest limitation is our mind. Because we have in our mind a set idea of what can happen. How God might be able to make a way. But you see, that is limiting God, and I believe God is a limitless God. I believe that God is calling us no holds barred to take the limits off, to dream big, to dream with the hope of, well, what about this? And when somebody says that doesn't make a bit of sense, we come back with, yeah, but God is a big God. God is sovereign. God, I believe, is asking us to dream big. I believe this morning that God is asking us not only to believe in miracles, but to expect miracles. Humanly, when we have expectations of one another, we get burned every time, right? We get disappointed every time because people, all of us, are wounded, broken people. We cannot measure up. But with God, who is a limitless God, bigger than we can ever think, dream, or imagine, when we dream according to his expecting a miracle, <laughs> it's going to happen. It is going to happen. In not only with our finances, but in relationships, in our families, in this community, in this church, 
every, everything about us. God is ready to do something big here within this church, but also within our lives. I believe that we're, we're just holding out. We're thinking, well, I don't know. I believe that God could do it, but, but. Let's talk about miracles. <laughs> a miracle is defined as a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws. You know this. Therefore, it's considered to be a work of a divine agency, a work of God. My definition would be, <laughs> miracles are those things that don't make any logical sense. We can't explain them. They're those God things. And they're events that are so far beyond our human comprehension that they absolutely can frighten us sometimes. They may even seem crazy. Miracles are all over in the book of the, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the Word of God. In his hometown, Jesus of Nazareth did not do many miracles because of people's lack of faith. Could it be that that same thing is happening in Noonan, Georgia? Could it be that because we are unwilling to believe in a God of miracles, and not only believe in a God of miracles, but expect miracles to happen? Could it be that because we cannot believe it or we choose not to expect a miracle, that miracles aren't happening? Could it be that we are experiencing unanswered prayer because, listen to this, because we have dictated the outcome that we want for the prayer? Did you hear me? When we have our own mindset of how God needs to handle our life, we dictate a response. Scripture tells us that prayer is answered. God answers prayer. You've heard this. It's yes, no, or maybe. Wait. Right? But so often, people are coming to me saying, God doesn't answer my prayer. I must not have a direct line. What's up with that? Perhaps it's because... You, we, are dictating how we want that prayer to be answered instead of letting go of our idea, our agenda, and hoping for God to give us a miracle. <laughs> In Ephesians 3, it talks about God is a limitless God. He can do immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine or we can dare to ask. That's the God that wants, wants to meet us this morning. That's the God that, that wants to continue to work in our life. Perhaps we're not praying limitlessly enough. Perhaps we're not praying big enough prayers. Could it be that, that God wants to bless us beyond our wildest dreams and we just aren't willing to go there? to embrace it, to even consider the possibility. need to go over a story with you. Go to Mark 9. Mark 9. 
This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Mark 9, starting with the 14th verse. I'm going to try to point out some things here. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. I have written in my Bible, the presence of Jesus draws people. Are you open to his presence? Are you ready to run to him? Are you ready to expect? Are you willing to expect a miracle? And Jesus asked them, what are you arguing about? And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. He's possessed with a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever that spirit seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Do you hear? That's a daddy asking Jesus to do something for his son. And Jesus replies, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit, an evil spirit, recognized Jesus, immediately it threw the boy down into a convulsion. He fell down to the ground. He was rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the daddy, can you feel the daddy's pain? How long has the boy been like this? And daddy said, from childhood. Often he's been thrown into water or the fire. Uh, to, he's been, that evil spirit tries to kill him. But if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. Did you hear him? If you can do anything. <laughs> I love Jesus' response. He says, if you can, everything is possible to those who believe. Right? Faith is necessary. Faith is risky. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed. He cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene trying to, uh, trying to look, trying to see what was going on, he just rebuked the evil spirit. He took care of it. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out. The spirit shrieked, convulsed the boy, and came out. Now here's the, the cool part. The boy looked so much like a corpse that the people thought he was dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, the disciples said, well, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus responded to the disciples, this kind of spirit comes only out through prayer and fasting, meaning Disciples, in that moment, even you, my followers, didn't have enough faith. It took a spiritual discipline 
of faith. It took a step of faith. And in that moment, disciples, you didn't have it. They left that place. They passed through Galilee. Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. After three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant. And they were afraid to ask him about it. A few things. Verse 23. If you can, Jesus asked, Everything is possible for him who believes. That's us today. We have to activate our faith. We must claim the absolute power that Jesus has to heal, to provide, to do everything miraculous that is necessary in our life. Reminds me of back earlier in Mark 5, there's a story of of this ruler named Jairus whose daughter was dying, and he said to Jesus, just lay your hands on her, and she'll be made well. That's a sign of absolute faith. Do you remember the story in Mark 5 again of the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years? She had been to doctor after doctor, had had expended all of her money, her resources, and what was her absolute faith? If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That's absolute faith. That's the limitless power of embracing the idea, expecting a miracle. Faith is taking action. Faith is risky. Verse 24, the dad cries out. Put yourself in daddy's place. I have no doubt that this was a, one of those gut-wrenching cries from the depth of his being. My boy, he suffers over and over and over. I'm sure there were just, I want to say, I'm sure it was a messy cry, a snotty, messy cry of, Jesus, do something. I do believe. But everything that I've thought, every way that I dictated the the healing to come hasn't, hasn't come that way. Every way I thought that it would look, it's not, it's not looking that way. But I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, but I've dictated the response. I believe, but I thought it would look different. And then verse 26, did you catch it? The boy looked dead. The people thought he was dead. Some of you here this morning, because of all that's going on in your life, are feeling much more like death than life. But Jesus did two things. He took his hand and he lifted him up. He wants to do the same for each one of us. He wants to do the same for each one of us. Here's my download of what ifs. What if 
you chose to move forward in faith, what if? I believe marriages in this place would be repaired. I believe you would be healed from some disease. I believe that your grief and your inability to function in this life would be healed. What if you chose to move forward in faith? I believe that you would be provided for financially even though you don't understand how that's going to make, how your, your little income is going to make it. I believe that he will provide you with joy and there will be hope in the future. I believe that for some of you, there will be a life partner. If you choose to move in faith, I believe that he will grant you perseverance with academics and getting up every morning and giving it your best even though you feel like there's no friends around you at school. I believe that if you choose to walk in faith, you will experience self-worth because it will be from Jesus Christ. And you will begin to see yourself as loved and accepted and enough. What if you choose to believe that God can make a way when there's no way? What if? And what if, as a congregation, we would move forward in faith? Believing that God is such a limitless, big God that he can provide more than we can ever think, dream, or imagine? What if we choose to take just a little tiny step of faith? I believe he wants to do big things in and through us. I believe that, that he will honor our obedience. I believe if we choose to move in faith, if we commit even financially just to give as he leads us to give, my friends, there would be no problem with a church budget. I'm serious. If each and every one of us would simply check that box financially of I will give, or first of all, I will just prayerfully consider how God might be wanting me to give. But then, if I choose to give as God gives, directs me, whether it's $5 a month, God will honor that. God will bless it. God will bring favor to our lives and to the life of this church. If we activate our faith, if we expect miracles to happen, I firmly believe that God's going to blow this place wide open. God's going to give you joy in the midst of all of these questions. God's going to give you more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. Finally, Go to the prophet Malachi. It's at the end of the Old Testament. Malachi. Um, I used this a few weeks ago. This is talking about tithing, but I feel sure that this has to do with every facet of our life. Our relationships, our, our dreams for the future, our money, everything about our life. Malachi 3, verse 10 Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. This is the one thing where we can say, okay, God, I don't know that I, I can believe it. I want to try to embrace this thing. I want to try to expect a miracle. I don't know. 
but I'm going to test you. Show me. Show me, God. Ooh. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. My friends, that's what God wants for us, not just with our money, but with our entire life. God wants us to activate our faith and say, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. Show me. When we do that, when we take a leap of faith, a step, God is going to bless us. The floodgates of heaven, the floodgates of blessing will overflow. That's, that's the promise of Scripture. All right, I'm going to ask the band to come up. We've got these baskets here. This is for your um, commitment. This is, this is for your financial commitment. There is a place here that you tear off that form. Like I said, I firmly believe that everybody is called to, to respond. But I firmly believe also that this is not just for finances. There are things that God is asking you to surrender today. Things that you don't have a clue how things can work out in your life. And God wants you to fall down before him and say, I don't have a clue, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take a step of faith. So as we sing, I invite you to come. I invite you to fold your papers and put them in the baskets. I invite you to respond as the Spirit leads. Amen.